All right, it is the top of the hour, whatever hour it may be when you are watching this, and this is two-on-one, a weekly conversation between two theologians and another theologian about pop culture and its intersections. I am one of your co-hosts, the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I am your other co-host, co-host, cohort, co-host. It's been a long hi-ho, week, Arthur. Hi-ho. And, uh, and I'm in person. You can hear yes. me in I'm a real not life here. You're not a I'm a real girl. girl. I'm so um, glad you are a real girl. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I am Stephanie Handel, uh, your other co-host. I can't say co-host today. I know. Uh, and I am glad to be to be back with our two-on-one listeners and you. I missed you. I miss, I miss you. It's it's uh we talk about it all the time, but like this is like our weekly thing. This is how I tell time in pandemic. <laughs> it really and is. Part of it. And also, we, I, was, yeah. I was thinking this week as I, I was away last week. Uh, Y'all, if what, what do you want to be called? What are our viewers? What's the, like, you know, armchair expert has the, the armchairies. Like, we need something to, like, reference those of you that watch and listen to this show. So drop us a line in the comments. Uh, tell us what you want to be known as or tweet at us. You know, we're, we're all the places. My, my vote is deuces. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, deuces uh, and deucets. I don't know. That, that's, I don't want to gender anybody. Yeah, um, we need something I mean, expansive. Gender is stupid. Uh, so you had a thought. I have a thought too, okay? And I have this thought about House Cups and Hogwarts as we're doing okay, me, Harry Potter month. Yeah, let me hear it. So the end of the first few Harry Potter books, the House Cup actually matters and uh, with points and all that. And in the end, it's always Gryffindor and all these red and gold pyramids magically like burst out of the walls when it's announced Gryffindor won again. Yeah, except for when Cedric Diggory died and it was Black for Morning. There's, there's yeah. emotional depth in, in Harry Potter. There is. And like, here's my question. Is this a magical feast type thing? Oh, I see. Like, are there house elves like making banners and things? Yeah. Or are they all from Dumbledore's mind? And therefore, would they be a little like gaudy or campy? You know? I mean, Dumbledore does have a unique sense of style. He does. But like by design, shouldn't he have turned to an expert? Ooh, you know, having an expert designer and craft their liturgical textiles is really useful. Liturgy is the work of the people and the tactile, visual, and ambient cues we receive from our surroundings, from banners and pyramids, stoles and vestments, inform that work. Hogwarts could really use our friend Jeff Wanrow. Hogwarts could really use our friend Jeff Wanrow. Absolutely. If your congregation is not an imaginary wizarding school in Scotland reliant on elf labor, but instead a brick and mortar actual place wherein worship happens weekly, it may be time to step up your textile game. Uh, Jeff Wonrow and the fine folks at Jeff Wonrow Designs create exquisite liturgical text, uh, textiles for pastors, deacons, clergy, and congregations of all varieties, shapes, needs, desires, and denominations. Ooh, yes, you can. And you can see the entire, the full catalog of all the things that Jeff Wonrow and his team creates uh, at jeffwonrow.com. And consider, you can also have things customized. There's customization options as well. And for friends of two-on-one, the deuces, if you will, Jeff Wonrow is offering his best deal. 15% off your entire stole order when you use the code two-on-one at checkout. It is all one word. It is all letters. There are no spaces. Two-on-one. Yes. Jeff Wonrow has designs and products for all seasons and needs, even liturgical face masks, which we I'm still wearing. I don't know about you, Arthur. Oh, yeah. I'm fully vaccinated, but even when I go out, yeah. 
I'm still wearing them just because I want to model good stewardship of health. Uh, and I'm grateful that Jeff Wunro has thought this through and helps me do so in a way that can say I'm a disciple or Black Lives Matter or all the different things that I want my liturgical face mask to say. Or it's Easter time. Or it's Easter, or it's just Easter tide, or it's just white and it's Easter tide, or green and ordinary time. Jeff Wunro, J E F F W U N R O W dot com. Go check out all that his incredible team has to offer and use the code two on one, all one word, for 15% off your entire stole order. Absolutely. And uh, Spiff, or uh, excuse me, Stephanie, I, I, you go by Spiff, and I don't think you have a problem with it, but I try to call you Stephanie, too. You can call me Spiff, and I think our viewers know, most of them know that you call me Spiff, and they can call me Spiff, too. I think most people know I don't like to be called Steph. So yeah. if, as long as you call me Stephanie or Spiff, I don't care. Okay. Well, Spiff, I'm excited for our guest, and I want to you bring do. her on as soon as possible. So I'm just going to admit her from our green room. Uh, joining <laughs> us today is Carrie Tannehill. This is us like marching all the way to Hogwarts. All right. Hello, Carrie. Welcome to Two on One. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. We're so excited to have you. Carrie, tell our viewers, which we've just, Arthur has just named the deuces. We'll yeah, talk about that later. Uh, but tell our, our viewers a little bit about what you do, who you are, where you're located, all the things. Sure, sure. So my name is Carrie Tanny Hill, and I'm located in Baltimore. It's absolutely beautiful here today. It's 80 something degrees. Um, can't complain about that. Um, so so yeah, um, in Baltimore, that's where I'm based and actually where I'm from. Um, so I'm a Baltimore girl born and raised. Um, and I am the director of humanitarian assistance for Lutheran World Relief. Um, which um, is headquartered here in Baltimore. Um, it means I get to travel the world, so I can't complain. I absolutely love my job. I love what I do. Um, but it does make it interesting to think about this topic um, and helping others, but also being a Slytherin at the same time. So how did, how did you come to grips with the fact that you're a Slytherin? I, too, am a Slytherin. Okay. Oh, good. So I'm a good company. You're, and, and I'm wearing, so I'm a, a self-proclaimed Ravenclaw, but I am, I try weekly to wear at least the colors of the other houses to, to lift up in solidarity that we are, we're doing work together. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I obviously wear green today as well to, to show, uh, to show my, my, my health colors. Um, I mean, I think I probably would have known from the very beginning <laughs> that I was a Slytherin. Um, you know, I started reading Harry Potter before Pottermore was even, you know, a, a thing. Um, and I was actually a little slower to get into the books. I, I admit I watched the movie first um, before I read the first book. And then I was pretty much hooked from, from watching the very first movie. And then I sped read through all of the books to catch up. Um, but I, I kind of knew right away that Slytherin was probably where I was going to be. I also, um, I've, I've loved villains. So most girls like Disney princesses, I tend to identify more with the villains. Um, and so, so that wasn't a surprise when I, I figured I was a, a Slytherin. I, I love that. Arthur, how'd you find out or how'd you figure out you were a Slytherin? I so like I was insistent I was a Ravenclaw forever and I could totally fit into Ravenclaw house and that's fine. But honestly, every time I took the Pottermore test, it would be like, you are a Slytherin. And I'm like, I'm a Slytherclaw. And every single time I talked to folk, they'd be like, you are a Slytherin. I'm like, no, I'm not. But um, it is, it is a, uh, I think Slytherins are driven by outcomes. 
right? And I live in the future and I'm an Enneagram seven and I'm driven by outcomes and I have to wrestle with like selfishness versus self-sacrifice, both of which I think fit into our house. And also like, I, I just can't live in a world where like, oh, you look evil or you're from an evil family, therefore you're Slytherin and oh, you're you're brave or uh, the right look, you must be Gryffindor. Like I can't do that. So I've got to, I, I think I'm I'm not inherently evil. Uh, Calvinists would disagree, but that's fine. So. I, well, I think, you know, I think that's part of why we, our vision for this, you know, res, our, this Easter tide two-on-one conversation is that, you know, bringing in different houses or people that identify in different houses to talk about how they have experienced the world of Harry Potter and also how they experience that to inform, you know, scripture and church and all of that work, I think has been really helpful because you know, we don't all fit in those things. We like to typecast. We like to say all disciples are this way, all Lutherans are this way or, you know, whatever. And I think that I, especially this week, I would say, you know, we're Slytherin where it's like, we want to, we need a villain, right? Like, I think there to see the, there's that, like to see the good, you have to also see the bad, right? Like you don't know what's good sort of a thing. And I think that we kind of get away from that knowing like two people in who self-identify in Slytherin and, and also are doing really good and faithful work. Um, I don't know how you all, uh, how has that informed, I guess, your understanding? Kira, you said you like the villains in the stories, which I really, I, uh, I I grapple, I I like that too. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the, the underdogs, the person you're not supposed to like. Uh, I think that that informs my understanding of faith, but talk to us a little bit about that. What is your uh, understanding of, how we define evil, I guess, or the bad guy and what it really might look like, like the complexities and nuances of, you know, the human experience. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what's interesting about Harry Potter though, too, because Harry wasn't always a good guy. There was a lot of, he had a lot of character flaws. Um, And, you know, when you think of like what the true hero is supposed to look like, he, I don't know if he necessarily fits that mold. So I think that's one of the reasons why I think Harry Potter is such an interesting story, because um, the characters are so nuanced and so layered. And I think that's also true with Voldemort, or he who must not be named. I don't know if we want to say his name here. Um, But I think that's what's really interesting about him as a character, too. I mean, he was so developed. You know, J.K. Rowling could have said, well, he's just evil and he's bad. But we know his whole story and where he came from and why did he become bad? Because he could have gone the other way, maybe, we don't know, if he would have been accepted by his father and shown love and his mother would have been in a different situation um, than where his family came from. So, so I think that's what's really interesting. You know, you could just write him off as as a bad guy, as you know, the big bad, but but he really did have a lot of layers. Not that I'm excusing him from everything that he did, but I, I think that's what makes Harry Potter such an interesting character study because he wasn't just, you know, the evil bad guy. There was reasoning behind his why he did what he did. Well, I always think of uh, Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. Like yep. you could have just invited her to the baby shower. Like, or the christening or whatever it was like, what difference does it make if someone you don't like is at your daughter's christening? Um, but maybe we have, isn't that how weddings work? You invite people you don't even care about. (laughs) I got married in the church. I was pastoring. There were some people saw it as like a fellowship event, like honest to God brought their neighbors. And I was like, 
This is why we have four extra tables. I hate all of you, but I don't hate all of you. <laughs> well, I'm I, totally I like over the- it. Healthy. Totally. It shows. <laughs> Um, no, I, I appreciate that, you know, you brought up that it's like not you know, those layers and it, that he was shown love and, you know, the, or what that could have been. I think that for me, I always took uh, Malfoy's relationship with Narcissa, his mom, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the end, as a as one of those guiding principles that you see that Draco isn't actually, he's been the villain for all, you know, all seven books. And at the right. very end, you were uh it's it you know you're you're kind of shown like he's not and like that the family has some interesting dynamics but like there's yeah go ahead narcissus question is my son alive right um it's draco became a death eater to protect his parents his parents abandoned being death eaters to protect their son it's uh it's it's it we could talk about loyalty in the Slytherin house because i a few things in our conversations carrie by the way that we've kind of carried over um, is we think Gryffindor, you have to choose to be a Gryffindor because it requires a bold request. Mm-hmm. It's the only house that has that test. Um, the other I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 my theory is that the Sorting Hat would never intentionally sort any of anybody into Gryffindor without asking. So we'd all be, that's why Harry would have been just gone into Slytherin. Like he would have just been, but he had the courage to ask. It's why we think of Hermione as a Ravenclaw more likely, but she right. had the, we assume there was the courage to ask. Same with Ron and Hufflepuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's where that theory has grown from. And we, we have a holistic view of Hogwarts. Every house, everybody in every house has some bravery, some intelligence, some loyalty. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure you would have, I, I just feel like naming this for our viewers who will be like, you're operating under the assumption. And I just want to put all the cards on the table. Three card Monty. Um, so I, here's my question about Slytherin, because I always think about this after, um, like after the battle of Hogwarts. And I, I will admit, I've never read anything. I haven't seen the, the cursed child. Um, Ooh, I, I did. Oh, did you like it? I, I hope this doesn't chase me out of the, the fandom on here, but I did not like it. Because it kind of I actually didn't go back and see the second day. Whoa. I know. It's a hot take. Hot take right now. Oh, yeah. Um, like, let's have this. Did yeah. not. I did not like it at Good. all. And I saw it in London on the, like, the original West End production of it. Wow. Um, yeah. Please don't. Please don't send oh, me any you, email, people. <laughs> Uh, you can send it to two on one project at gmail.com and, and we'll delete it. Um, this is, this is, this is provocative safe space. Okay, good, um, good. Well, yeah, I just, I did not. And I don't know if it was because the characters are, are new. Um, and I just didn't identify with them as much as I, you know, because Ron and Harry and Hermione are the, my people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know if I just didn't identify with them being older. Um, but yeah, I, I was not, not a fan of it. I have not read it. Um, but the, but the actual play did not like it. Well, so after the first rise of, uh, Voldemort, right. There was no truth and reconciliation commission in the wizarding world. There, there was, oops, I was being mind controlled. And everybody's like, no, you weren't, but okay, go be a teacher at my kid's school or whatever. The second time around, like, you know, Draco and Harry nodded each other from across the train platform 11 or 15 or 20 years later, 19, 17 years later, 19. Uh, yeah, um, like how, 
how how do we reconcile the fact that most Slytherins fought for Voldemort, either through compulsion or family? How do you think that works out? And then the question becomes, what is the role of reconciliation in moving forward in the U.S., in uh, Protestantism, in congregations? Yeah, and I, I think that's a great question. To be honest, I've never even thought about it that way um you because you know you're so into the books and you don't even think about it you just sort of suspend your imagination but i think that's a really valid question especially here in the united states with with things that are happening um and that have happened since the civil war era i mean it's kind of similar you had this big great war that happened here in the united states and it was brother versus brother as we, we all have you know know and talk about it um but but how did that reconciliation happen? I would say it probably didn't happen well and is why we're in the predicament that we're in now. Um, so, so yeah, I, now how did it happen in Hogwarts? I think, I think that's a really great, that's a great question. And I, I I'm not sure how, how they could continue on. Also, I want to throw out a theory if I could, because I, I think uh, as we talk about world service, and is it all right if we talk about Lutheran world service and what, yeah, what the Lutheran staff doesn't have is week of compassion and our global ministries type stuff? Um, and, and Spiff, please jump in and be like, "What are you doing?" No, um, you're good. I want to. I, I, uh, Carrie's work is really is really cool, and I think it's really uh, applicable to the work that uh, is net. Well, first of all, it's necessary right now. Uh, it's always been necessary, but I think right now in these. Um, kind of more tumultuous times that we find ourselves in. I, I assume, Carrie, that your work is uh, is uh, a lot and, and probably really life-giving. Um, and and I, I had the same, you know, when, when we seek to, to help beyond those that we consider our own. Um, and I saw that a lot. You see that a lot in the Battle of Hogwarts, right? Like, who, how do you, how, you know, how do you, prepare yourself to reach out beyond what you are comfortable with? How do you kind of change your mindset? And when people don't, how do you reconcile that as well? Um, and so I'm wondering how your work has affected your understanding of what it means to help and serve and be beyond our, our, our own houses, our own comfort level, our own churches. So. Yeah. And now I will say my, my work is very much international focused, which is, is interesting in and of itself because a lot of people would say, well, there's a lot of work to be done here in the United States, which is very, very true. And there's a lot of amazing organizations out there that do work great here in our own backyards. Um, and so there's, and that's one of the things we always say when our, our constituents ask about that, there's plenty of need to go around. There is, there is not, you know, we're not saying that people overseas are more in need than people here in the United States. That is not the case. We just, we specialize in, overseas humanitarian assistance. Um, and so I think that's, um, yeah, absolutely. The need is great, especially as um, like the hurricane season last year was intense. And the hurricane season for 2021 is unfortunately supposed to be even worse, which is very hard to believe because we reached the Greek alphabet um with with the name storms um so it's really hard to think about um how it could even possibly get any worse but that's why people like me have to be around to number one assist people as things are occurring and as humanitarian crises come up um but also to be able to help them 
respond to an, you know, respond to a future shock. So the people were helping in Honduras who were affected by the hurricanes there in November were hoping to help them not only rebuild from those storms, but help them rebuild, build back better for the future as well. So I'm, I'm going to guess and, and, and not guess, I'm going to ask and then be corrected if I'm wrong or uh, affirmed if I'm right. Is part of your is part of your work going to congregations and saying this is what your contribution to Lutheran World Service does? Yes. Um, so I've got the Slytherin question for it. How do we distinguish and how do we promote the difference between self protection or the difference or the connection between self protection and self sacrifice? Because if I had to argue it, Slytherins are the people who are most selfish, and I don't mean selfish always in a bad ways, but self self-involved. I don't know. They're all bad words for it. Yes. And I, I, I admit I'm self, I am very selfish and self-involved, which again makes my work very interesting um, because, you know, I'm going out there and I'm, I'm putting myself in, you know, in harm's way to be able to help others. Um, but I think that kind of goes back to our other point that we were making before, just because you are a self-identified or a Pottermore identified Slytherin, I don't think that means that you're not brave or you don't have courage or some of the qualities of the other houses. So I don't think that self-promotion or self-sacrifice is necessarily a bad thing, especially um, in cases like, you know, some of the countries where I visit where you actually need to be smart and remove yourself from harm's way just you know, you can't, you don't want to go out there and risk, you know, being kidnapped or. Um, That's being, not effective ministry. Yeah. Robbed or, you know, if, if I'm hurt, then I can't do my job and then people can't get help. So I think that's where you have to be smart and preserve yourself enough um, to, re, you know, remove yourself from a bad situation if that does come up. And I, I, as you were just talking, it, you know, it makes sense why like a Slytherin. So one of the words that people use for Slytherins is, is cunning. And I think that that's a really cool word and a real, an underused uh, kind of um, value uh, for people because, you know, some, I can imagine you being really good at your job and like, have, you know, being relational and saying like, you know, oh, I've talked to this dude over here. I talked to this lady over here, whatever. And then all of a sudden something comes up and you're like, wait a minute. He just said and being able like the cunningness to be able to to make connections where maybe there weren't and to uh, kind of see the the possibility of something that has been written off as one thing when you can see it as something else. And I yeah. think that Slytherins have a unique ability to do that in a way that helps build up the whole um, when they're in their best and, you know, in their, when they're in their, their best practice. They're not plotting to take over the world. Just call it what it is. Yeah. When they're not trying, you know, when it, when it's not just for them, when it's, when it's lifting the whole their that cunningness is something that is um, generally lifted as unique to, uh, to Slytherin in a way, because I mean, I think the Slytherins we know have used it in with malintent, but uh, when, but but what it really is doing is saying uh, giving something hope that we have said is hopeless. Um, mm. Yeah, and uh, do you have do you experience that in that way? Is your has your has your Slytherinness been helpful in that? 
Oh, absolutely. And I think that is an essential part of my job because part of, you know, when I get deployed to respond to an emergency or a humanitarian crisis, you, the whole point is to go and to talk to people because you need to figure out what are the needs on the ground. Now, when something happens, there's a ton of needs. People might need water, they might need shelter, they need food, they need medicine, you know, they need a whole laundry list of, of items. We can't help everybody with everything. And so trying to figure out, we have this X number of resources, here's how many people we can help if we do this and this from their, from their list. Um, because we know this organization is helping with health and this organization is doing water um, and this organization is helping with protection. So Lutheran World Relief can assist with food delivery and we can do shelter repair. So, so kind of zooming out, understanding what the big picture is um, and being able to decipher what people are saying they need versus what they actually need and what can we support. So I think that's kind of an important distinction there. Okay. I'm sorry. I got to jump back onto Slytherin embodies hope because um, it makes sense, right? Because that's the ambitious, that's, that's cunning. That's, I'm sorry. That really has messed me up a little bit and I want to unpack it. And I apologize because I, I, we, I just have to sit with this for a second, but I'm still going to talk. So we don't have dead air. Um, I, 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 I've thought about this for a while. I think that there's something, and I think maybe Carrie, you, uh, maybe you agree with this, but like, I think that's why I was always drawn to the, to the underdogs, to the villains, because like, I want to see that I, I have hope in them and I have hope that, yeah. you know, that there is, you know, as people that operate in the currency of grace, I think that there mm-hmm. is, uh, I have to kind of assume that there is hope present in each of these people, even if they are the very worst, um, you know? And so for me, uh, that cunningness in Slytherin house, I was always really hopeful for that house. That house has the possibility to do incredible and great things. And so, um, and that has informed my own ministry on how I see people that maybe disagree with me, maybe, you know, or uh, that I have a pro or an issue kind of, you know, getting to the same reconciling space that, you know, I, my prayer is always for hope, you know, and, or a cunningness that can help me relate to them in a way that connects us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of Slytherin in you, Spiff, and I don't mean it in a bad way because it's not a bad thing to be Slytherin. I Um, said that I'm a Slitherclaw. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm just more Ravenclaw. All the, all the bottom more things I've ever taken is Ravenclaw. So I'm, it felt uh, right. So that's where I am. You know what? I'm going to encourage people today. I, I, I have a couple things for our listeners or our viewers for the deuces. Okay. Uh, deuces. Number one, what are the spiritual practices, the the spiritual gifts of each house? That is, uh, what do Gry- Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff have equivalent to Slytherin? Number two, dear deuces, do you agree or disagree that uh just like one's Enneagram number, online tests are great. Pottermore is fine, but really it's the house you identify with that you land on, that you choose your number, you choose your house. Let us know in the comments, send us an email, drop us a line. Uh, and Carrie, if either of those questions interest you, I hate to ask it because we always do. Do you happen, to, 
Actually, you're a millennial in in the church. What's your Enneagram number? I know. Of course, I know my Enneagram. (laughs) I'm a number three, which probably shouldn't be surprising because I think that's um, I think that really sums up a a Slytherin. I'm I'm a true achiever. I mean, it's so strong. Like, I don't even really go into any of the other numbers, maybe a tiny bit into two, because I do, you know, I do want to help people. And that's kind of why I'm in the work that I do. Um, But I'm very much a perfectionist and an achiever. Absolutely. So welcome to this team. I I too, I'm a a three with a four way and we've come up for whatever reason. So Arthur's a seven and we, this is our power triad. Yes. Whenever there's three aggressive numbers, there Jesus is among us going, no, let me talk. Let me talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's, uh, uh, I guess I have an ethical question. It's all ethics nowadays. Um, And by the way, it is so frustrating that we've had these moments. I don't really like Harry Potter as a character, but realizing he was a child of trauma um, and as a person who practices trauma-informed parenting, it's frustrating to me that I have to love him now. Uh, We talked about Dobby last week because I did not like Dobby until the words he was free were said. And like freedom and Galatians are running through my mind with that stupid house elf. Um, So if Slytherins are centered in self, and self is inescapable for all of us. Service for others. Um, you know, it's the, uh, it's, uh, it, it feels good to, to give. It feels good to serve. Or even, hmm, I guess my question is, there are some people I've motivated to serve. We have motivated to serve in the church by saying, it's good for you to do this for others. It's not necessarily love others. It's love yourself enough to love others. Mm-hmm. Does that count? I think it absolutely does. Oh, good. Me too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't think, you know, I think number one, self-love is is very, very important being a millennial. And I think that's very important to to what we like to talk about. Um, Especially I'm also a parent as well. (laughs) So so having time to to love yourself again and make sure you don't lose yourself in, in becoming you know, an overseer of little people um, and trying to bring them up into the world. Um, so I, I really, I don't think that, that, you know, the idea of loving yourself and then that way you can therefore help others. I think that's, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to admit it that, that if you're in, you know, if you're in helping somebody for a selfish reason, that's okay. But guess, cause guess what? You're helping somebody at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody is, benefiting hopefully um from from what you're doing and i think that's um as long as you're you're smart about it and you know again in my work that's really really important we have standards in place and we have um you know safe safeguards for the people that we're helping so people aren't just going in there to because they want to feel good about something um we have to make sure that we're we're doing it in a in a way that protects those who are on the recipient end of things. Um, but I think, you know, as long if you're helping somebody at the end of the day and it makes you feel better, wonderful. Spiff, as the non-Slytherin. Uh, do I think that it's okay to help out of selfish reasons? Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Good. I think, I don't always think help is help because I think part of what, 
growing up in the 80s and kind of like buy a tree, save a rainforest, you know, like <laughs> the things that you want. Uh, uh, it, it lacked nuance and understanding that what you think is helpful may not actually be helpful. So I think that if you're going to act on selfish reasons, that's okay. But I still encourage you to to listen first before, you know, and figure out what the actual need is, um, you know, work with organizations such as Carrie's that do, you know, like if you're like, I've got this extra money and I really want to, you know, tell people that I'm giving someplace great, give your money to wherever it is. Right. Uh, but if, but if you have all this extra money, don't just fly yourself to a different place because you think you know what is best. That's the, that's where I want to like nuance of being like, yes, it is in a self, like if you, to act on selfish motives still helps someone and that's, it's, uh, it's a slippery slope there, but uh, so, uh, leave it to professionals to listen to what people who say what they need or trust people enough to know what they need for themselves and then support the organizations doing that work. You grew up in the eighties. Yeah. Who was president? I'm not. Listen, come come the end of July, we can go back to a Ted Lasso conversation. <laughs> oh, come on. I was going to I was going to Doc Brown you. Um, the other thing is our. So with missions, um, having done mission trips or taken a bus full of middle school kids to do any sort of renovation work, it's it yeah. was a mistake. Um, what we're doing now with our youth group is we're investing in Finca which does microloans um, in uh, the two thirds world. And it's great because the kids are like, wow, we've raised $200. And I'm like, and that means we're making like eight loans or we're providing money for eight loans. We're not doing the loaning because that would be dumb. Um, we're also going to do a little fundraiser for Lutheran World Service as a thank you, Carrie, because I appreciate yep. you spending your time with us. But yes, it's it's the mission trips. Uh, what is it? Volunteerism. Volunteerism, which it's we saw so much of that out of coming out of Hurricane Dorian for in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that was one of the most frustrating responses I've ever been a part of um, because of because there were just plainfuls of people coming there with amazing intentions. You know, we, you know, great intentions. There's um, a brand new superhighway to hell paved with those good intentions. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like, you know, you're taking jobs away from from local people who are skilled carpenters who we can pay um, to do those tasks. Um, And so, yeah, I know I know a lot about volunteerism. So what if we I like that you're a Slytherin and I like that you're a three because I feel like you'd be able to say to folk, send your money, pick up trash around your neighborhood. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and where do so I have a question for for that in in a, it can couch it in, in Harry Potter, you know. So book four, you get uh Durnstrom and you get the other house, you get the other schools. And mm-hmm. Pottermore has told us about you know schools, you know, there's global wizarding schools, and uh and that sparks my own curiosity of who's there, who's leading them, who is the Dumbledore of you know Ilvermorny or something like that. Um so where do you draw the line of curiosity and you know and wanting to go to experience and that kind of tourism that cultural appropriation the voluntourism where what is that line for you i think it's i think that's that's a really great question and i think it's absolutely curiosity is amazing you know we we want to encourage people to go and have experiences because then they can relate to the world 
better when they come back from those mission types of trips. And I don't want to say all mission trips are bad at all. You know, that's that's not what I'm saying. I think where, where the line, I would draw the line is, is after an emergency. So something happens and you're rushing to the scene. Um, don't let, let the pair, like if you're, if you're watching a car, if you saw a car accident, you can rush to the scene and you can call 911 and let the professionals get in there and, and resuscitate the person or cut them out of the, the car and save their life rather than you attempting to do that with, you know, a pocket knife. <laughs> that's kind of how I, I would, I would more equate it. Um, it that's, that's, I think experiences are wonderful. And, you know, that's, I, I, how I got, um, I've, you know, I've loved travel since I started traveling in high school. Um, and so I think that stuff is, is wonderful. Um, but just, you have to be really careful when it comes to an emergency situation. And, and that's really when you have to leave it to the professionals, um, who are experienced, who know what they're doing, um, and give your cash to them because that's really what's going to be able to allow us to do our work. Um, because cash is much better than sending, you know, a container full of equipment that you've collected locally um, to clog up the ports when we're trying to get medicines in or, you know, equipment to, to move debris around. Um, so that's when that's kind of when the slope kind of goes the other way with those intentions, which are still great and they're amazing. They become unhelpful. So I have a theory. Um, uh -oh. Bingo card, get ready. Um, so I have a theory. Uh, the American church, the American Protestant church, and maybe the American mainline church, but I'm going to throw in the evangelicals in there too, because whatever, we're all one body. They are essentially Horace Slughorn. Um, or like, and I'm pulling this in there. I'm pulling this in there. Follow me along on this. The American, the American Protestant church is, is Slytherin. It's, it's, it's Slughorn. It's okay. Of course I can, I can do this, but I don't really want to, and I'm going to do things on my own terms and I'll, I'll do what's right but I have to be harassed by people to do it. And even then I'm going to bring back my old school ethics and not really know what I'm doing. I don't know. I want to, I want us to pivot to, to Slughorn. And I think if we put it in the context of missions, this lines up or am I insane? I could be insane. That's fine. I just, okay. The faculty at Hogwarts, Snape is the only Slytherin on house or on staff. Apparently there's, there's no other Slytherins, right? Slughorn was a Slughorn Slytherin. Slughorn, Slughorn in book six, but up until that point, there's right. one Slytherin, and there's like nine Huffle, <laughs> or Hufflepuffs and, and Ravenclaws, right? And yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, like, and they leave it to Snape, who Dumbledore knows is unhinged. Like, he's he's grieving, and he's never been allowed to publicly mourn, and he's also just, you can tell he listens to the cure by himself in his chambers, and like, so they bring in Slughorn and Slughorn is almost a Gryffindor, just like they had Gilderoy Lockhart, who is almost a Slytherin. Mm -hmm. Nice balance. JK Rowling still don't like turfs. Please stop being a turf. Um, it's, I just, I see Slughorn as the American church, right? He'll do the right thing, but by God, it will cost you to ask him and by God, it will cost him to do it. Is that fair? Or is that totally unrighteous? Yeah, I mean, I say it's I, everyone but the Lutherans. It's okay. I mean, of course. 
I'm not Lutheran. Um, but I, I think I, I get what you're saying, because I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with, is it okay to do things for selfish reasons? Mm. You know, you can help somebody for a selfish reason. And so I get what you're saying. And I, I, I see it. Um, but that's just could be the Slytherin, you know, our Slytherin brains working. I mean, yeah, I see it. I don't know that I would have, I don't, I, I mean, in all honesty, I think you, I, this is the first time hearing about it, obviously. And so I'll, I'll, I'll 1000% think about this tonight and be like, yes. And, or no, you know, uh, but there, there's something there in that, you know, the church is always present. Slughorn was always around. Why now are we asking why, you know, like, why did he get brought in for a certain thing? Like, uh, you know, and then the whole turning into a chair and all, you know, he's going to hide away. He's going to run away from, from his call. It's a little, you know, I don't know. Yes. And no, I can, I can see certain points of the Protestant church or of the church at large uh, being a slughorn. Yeah. Okay. But I also see the, the, the church being like a McGonagall and its ability to shape shift and move and, and kind of cast a vision forward. And I think that it's just given in time and maybe it's local church that I'm more hopeful for in that space, but I don't know. I like it. That was a very half formed question. Um, and you got a real half half baked answers. So. I have I have this weird dream that someday, like in a few seasons, I'm going to have a big sketchbook full of questions that I've meticulously written out, and Spiff is not going to have taken notes forever because it's a complete inverse of how we started. Right now, we're in the in between. We're in the liminal. Yeah, I like the in between. Um, I so but one of the things I wanted to kind of bring up for those of you that are are. Slytherins because there's that pre there's an assumption right and the like the first thing asking someone their Hogwarts house is very much like asking them their Enneagram number it's it's in the vernacular it's very much like who are you you know and the minute you say that you are a, a Slytherin you're already kind of subverting the norm because you're not meant to want to do that and then whether or not you act like what they assume a Slytherin should be or you act kind of in a different way, there's a little bit of like kind of cultural whiplash to that, right? Like when you subvert that. And so I'm wondering if, uh, if that has, if that subversive understanding of your own self-identity, and I'm asking both of you who are Slytherins, if that helps us kind of deconstruct structures and our people within the church, um, who we have said, oh, you know, that old person over there, you know, they may not, you know, we may have to help them a little bit more of tech. And then all of a sudden they're like, have you seen this TikTok or what, you know, like really kind of that whiplash. Have you guys experienced that when you are in these self-identified spaces? Um, and what can the church learn from kind of subverting those monolithic ideas of who a person is or should be because of their belongings? That's good. Would you like me to take that on first? <laughs> Yeah. So how I'm thinking about it in this, this space that I'm operating in, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's really important for us to involve our project participants in the actual designing of these projects that we're doing. So we don't want to come in and say, well, you clearly, you know, need this, this and this, and I'm going to build you a shelter because it looks like this and this is exactly what you need. We have no idea, really. You know, I'm an American, you know, 
35 year old from Baltimore, Maryland. I have absolutely no idea what a cacao farmer in Honduras could possibly mean. They're the ones who have to tell me these things. Thank you for being an American who will admit that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, so I think that's why it's really important not to write people off and to say, well, I'm just going to make an assumption about you um, because like you're what you were saying, the example of the older person, you know, you have you could possibly not even know how to open up a PDF or use a printer. Um, I struggle with my own printer. Um, <laughs> so so, you know, I think that's why it's it's important not to make those snap judgments. And maybe that's where my cunning side kind of comes in with you know, observing and trying to figure things out and let them unfold sometimes for self-preservation purposes. Um, but, but in order, you know, I think that that piece is kind of important and that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. You, you can't go in and say, you know, write people off. You need to get to know them a little bit more, allow them to show what they either need or their true colors or, you know, what are their skill sets um, in order to, to figure out before you can just make an assumption. Now we're human. And you have to make snap judgments on people. That's what we do. It's human nature. Um, and so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either, but trying to be a little bit more um, purposeful about it, I guess. I love that. It's, it's the, it's the purposeful, um, it's purposeful derailing. Um, so Severus Snape, we, we don't type real people, but we absolutely type, fictional character snape is a four with a massive three wing right because the whole his potions textbook where he had shortcuts for every single potion and he was able to do them well and right he probably intrinsically saw the path and he took it i'm just gonna guess that um like i almost say he's a three four like i don't know or three with a major four wing spiff you're you're severus snape or he is listen i'll take it that's one thousand per i my favorite Sirius Black is Mr. Potter. Sorry, like, Sirius Black is my favorite character, and I also think he's a three with a four wing. So okay, but I'll so think. Snape Snape does that, mm -hmm. and that's going to disrupt the normativity of how things are because you have the ingredients, you have the potion, and he's like, oh, "Made it better." Gonna have to catch up with me. I'll, you know, <laughs> um, are you are, are either of you familiar with the cube rule? No. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. I will not go too far on this, but I, I, I wrote a newsletter article about it today and it's still in my brain. So the argument is a hot dog, a sandwich, um, because, you know, it's a bon me is meat on a split bun with sauces and pickled vegetables. So too is a hot dog. Um, is it or is it not? The cube rule says it's not about what the bread is. The cube rule is about where the starches are. So if it's on the bottom, uh, it is a toast, but that means pumpkin pie is a toast. Uh, if it's, you know, on two sides and on the bottom, it is a taco, which means that, for example, a piece of pie on its side is a taco. It's, it's supposed to be dumb. It's supposed to be frustrating. Bread, uh, a bread bowl of soup is technically a quiche. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's dumb and it's wonderful. Cuberule.com. It's funny. Uh, but the person who made the cube rule is a Slytherin. Because there's an in, there's an intentional chaos, and that chaos, when it's not checked, can become an intentional adversarial nature. Mm -hmm. 
I bet you 10 to 1, Carrie, that you and I can sometimes get really adversarial with people really fast. Of course, yes. <laughs> because they deserve it. Yes. <laughs> but that's they don't deserve it, right? And right. it's a and that's also knowing self well enough to keep some of those baser impu- impulses in check and I, I, we're going to get Ravenclaws who are like, I too have eviscerated strangers, but only in my mind. And I'm going to be like, good for you. I was you. like, that's, that's tend, I, I tend to just lay people out in the shower. Like my, my, my shower arguments are strong and yeah. I get so terrified to do it in real life. Yeah. Sometimes. So it depends on the situation. It depends on the person. So. Do you have a specific shower enemy or many shower enemies? I have many shower enemies. See, I have one at a time. How well, I've one at a time. I've, yeah, my, it's, it's, it, mine's a focused of like, it depends on what's happening in my life at that time and day. It's like, there's one shout, but it's, they, they span decades. Did it just get weird, Carrie? <laughs> no, because I'm thinking, no, I'm personally trying to think about who is my shower. And I mean, I'm thinking, I actually just mostly think about myself in the shower <laughs> and like being a true Slytherin, you know, like, oh, what do I need to do? Or, you know, I, you know. That's, I don't know if I, if I necessarily have a shower enemy. Perhaps you are your own shower enemy. Maybe I am. Yeah. Maybe I am my own shower enemy. Uh, This is, this is weird and I love it. Uh, And it's great. And also do note Slytherin house lines up with the four elements with water. So talking about shower enemies, actually kind of appropriate. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I do want to be cognizant of our time together and I want to make sure that we keep things in the one Instagram block type uh, thing. And that's really why we keep it to an hour. Uh, Except when we went for like three hours with Quadri Harris on Black Panther and we still like barely scratch. Anyways, uh, (laughs) Carrie, it is great to have you here with us today. It is marvelous. This is just fun and I love it. Oh, we have a final question that we ask all of our guests and Spiff phrases it so beautifully. And I rarely do. <laughs> and now, now will be the day that I, you know, really screwed up. But like, <laughs> thank you so much for being on. It was, uh, thank you. It, it's one of those things where like, we have those people where, uh, you know, you and I, and I don't think you've ever met Arthur, but we've never met each other. <laughs> and, uh, and yet we feel like old friends. This is a really wonderful conversation of just, you know, kind of uh, being together. So uh, thank you for coming. We hope you will come back. Um, So what biblical character, story, theme, narration, whatever, are you most reminded of in Harry Potter? Yes. So, so I mean, I think the theme probably, and I don't know what others have, have answered who have been posed this question. I mean, to me, I think the theme really is obviously this, this good versus evil but it doesn't have but again it's it's layered it's nuanced just because a character you know there's several examples that where characters are inherently supposed to be bad and and the the evil ones but it's not necessarily you know so because they have they have different they have a reasoning behind that um or you know there there's nuances to how interpretations are done with those those characters. And, you know, we can interpret the Bible lots of different ways um, with the various stories and characters in it. So to me, that's kind of the the, large, the big theme. And then I would say the character, when I think of Harry, typical Harry Potter, um, it really is the David versus Goliath, um, I would say. You know, you have Harry who is, you know, he's 
only a boy and he's small and underestimated and no one would ever think that he could possibly take down Voldemort, the most evil wizard that ever lived. And, um, you know, he has this, you know, Voldemort has an entire army behind him. And what does Harry have? He has a couple of friends who happen to be really smart and intelligent. And so he would be underestimated. Um, and so that's that's kind of the, the biblical story that comes to my mind first of, you know, somebody who is small and underestimated, but ends up triumphing in the end um, through through some assistance from others. Um, and I think that's really important. It wasn't just Harry who did it. Um, he had a lot of help from a lot of different people who were cheering him on. Um, but in the end, I mean, he really did have to sacrifice himself um, in order to 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 beat. Voldemort. I like that, especially because I think I dislike King David in the same way I dislike Harry Potter. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and go though, because I'm going to throw out there with, with Slytherin particularly, I'm going to name James and John sons of Zebedee sons of thunder Um, because James and John are super ambitious. They're like, Hey, who gets to sit at your right hand? Is it us? It's us, right? That's cool. We already put duct tape with our names on the back of the chairs. So like, um, and also when they go through Samaria or they can't go through Samaria and they're like, you should call down thunder. And Jesus is like, have you listened to a word I've said? And they're like, fastest way through, eviscerate your enemies. Come on. Like, I, I want to get off this horse or I want to stop walking. Spiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Arthur, help me with this one. Uh, I'm I I'm going to go with Ehud because I think that there's something to this kind of left-handed leadership and understanding that this leader who is different, a leader who is seen maybe as troublesome or evil or cunning um, because there is an un- an unexplained and unknown truth about him uh, in that space um, is kind of what I understand Slytherin to be about, that there is a, a cunningness, an unknown tapped resource, a hope, a uh, a, a a space of of vision that we overlook because we have we only focus on this one unknown thing about them being that we know that they are evil, but we don't even know how they're going to be evil to us, right? There's this pres- presumed evil. Um, and so uh, that was kind of where I went with that one. And I like that he locked the door behind him after he kills Ehud. That is a total Slytherin move. Because then the guards are like, he's been in there a while. Yeah, but do you really want to deal with Eglon? Like, if you interrupt him? No, okay. And they wait another yeah. half an hour, and he's halfway across the country. Yep. Uh, Gary, this has really been a true honor. I'm going to share our promo from our sponsor, Jeff Wanro Designs, because that's what we do at the end of episodes. And we want to make clear to everyone that Jeff Wanro, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com is where you can find liturgical textiles, vestments, pyramids, banners, stoles, and don't forget our stole code, uh, two-on-one, all one word, for 15% off your stole order. Yes. I just um, bought one, so I'm really excited. And I saw so many of our friends who are, like, this week is their last week of classes. I know that in the Southwest region, uh, we got some some beloveds taking their uh, final ordination or having their final ordination interviews. And so if you have a loved one that is graduating and or getting ordained this summer or whatever, make sure you check out Jeff One Rose Stoles and use our code 2 at checkout. Uh, Carrie, thank you. Thank you, Spiff, guys. We're, we're wrapping up with Hogwarts next week, right? 
We are. So we, we, we meant to do it in the month of April. Uh, I know. Oh, uh, we need to do a home alone episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, uh, we had talked about the April being in our Easter tide, uh, that the boy who lived that we were doing all four, uh, Wednesdays in April as, you know, Harry Potter and Hogwarts houses, but we postponed the week of Ravenclaw with Charles Anthony Bryant, but we will be back next week with Charles Anthony Bryant, which is very exciting. Um, you know, you I, know, I, love I, him. I literally love everything about Charles Anthony Bryant. He is and delightful. Harry and he Romano, is a Ravenclaw. Oh, yes. So next week, it'll be two Ravenclaws on one Slytherin rather than this two Slytherins on one Ravenclaw. Carrie, you won't even believe what I say about you when you come back, which we hope you'll do. Uh, But that does wrap up our time today. Thank you very much for joining us, Carrie. And Spiff, it's good to see you as always. Please make sure you subscribe on literally any platform to Two on One. Share, uh, subscribe, like, do it all. Yes. Ooh, definitely share. Tell your enemies about us. Reverse psychology, total Slytherin move. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Bye.